2: Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug
3: Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today.
2: U.S. President Joe Biden is on his way back from Israel, where he stood shoulder to shoulder with the Israeli people.
1: Let's get to Ed Baxter in San Francisco, who has all the latest, Ed. Yeah, Brian, uh, Biden says he understands concern about the safety of civilians caught between Israel and Hamas, but that Hamas continues to act out. Uh, He says uh, regarding the explosions at the hospital on the Gaza. Based on the information we've seen today, it appears the result of an errant rocket fired by a terrorist group in Gaza. And back on Air Force One, Biden met with reporters and says there is a movement on getting aid to Gaza. The truth is that if they have an opportunity to relieve the suffering of people who have nowhere to go, um, they're going to be, it's what they should do. And the president is saying that Egypt is agreeing now to allow up to 20 trucks a day for Gaza aid, but says the main crossing may not be open until Friday. Meanwhile, voices from around the globe, Palestinian ambassador to the UN Riyadh Mansour says that President Biden has the power to stop the bloodshed now.
3: President Biden is a powerful leader. If he tells Israel enough is enough and you have to stop the fighting immediately. And it'll allow for helping the Palestinian people in Gaza. Then it is possible to begin the journey of maybe opening a possibility for a political horizon.
1: Now, Israel's former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett says there needs to be clarity about what actually is going on there.
3: Say that Israel is responsible. I think you have uh, an issue of moral clarity between. Good and bad, Israel is fighting a defensive war.
1: And UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres is focused on the suffering now on the Gaza Strip.
3: I call for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire
2: to provide sufficient time and space to help realize my two appeals.
0: And to ease the epic human suffering we are witnessing
1: and the uk says prime minister Richard sunak plans to go to israel this week and we have word that the israel defense force says it is attacking hezbollah targets in lebanon no new house speaker nominee jim jordan says he will stay in the race despite another snub which was even worse than yesterday's vote I've
2: already proven i can get from the most conservative members of the conference to the more modern members of the conference so got uh, whole cross section of the conference it's important that we get the last uh, last few
1: but Bloomberg's Kaylee Lyons reports the math just is not good.
0: Twenty-two Republican members of this conference voted for someone other than Jim Jordan today. It was only 20 yesterday. And as you point out, the way the math worked out is he did flip two no's from yesterday into yeses today or votes for him today. But four others turned and voted against him. So the net-net was it was two greater in number that didn't vote for him today. But to your question about what happens next, nothing's going to happen for a little while. There's no vote called until at least noon tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Now, Mike Lawler was one of the 22 Republicans to vote against Jordan. He says until the core issue of addressing the eight far right members of the caucus voted against Kevin McCarthy, Jordan will not win. As a matter of fact, he says he will lose more votes tomorrow. Global news powered by more than twenty seven hundred journalists and analysts in over one hundred twenty countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
2: I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong, along with Vonnie Quinn in New York. And let's take a look at the top stories. Well, in the Netflix story, I think the lead actually is the stock is up some 12.5% in After Hours. It was a pretty good quarter. Netflix saying that it is raising prices for some customers in the U.S., in the U.K., and also in France after posting its best quarter for subscriber growth in, in many years. The streaming provider said it added 8.76 million customers in the third quarter, surpassing analyst expectations. Ross Bennis, senior analyst at Insider Intelligence, explains why.
0: They've been tapped out in the U.S. market and in several other markets like Western Europe in driving new subscribers because they already have such a large user base. But now that they're kicking freeloaders off and making them pay for their own plans, they're getting these bumps each quarter where they're getting the people who used to use their parents' or friends' plans to pay for their own.
2: That's Ross Bennis. Netflix credited its subscriber uh, increase to a strong programming slate. Netflix is now on track to add more than 20 million customers this year, and again, as mentioned, shares up more than 12% in late trading.
3: We go to Tesla next. The company is sticking with its full year production forecast. Tesla is also promising a new cyber truck to be delivered by November 30th. Now, the optimism here comes despite some disappointing profit and revenue for the last quarter. We got some reaction earlier from Seth Goldstein, equity strategist at Morningstar.
2: I think we clearly saw that the, the price cuts have had a major impact on profitability for what is now the fourth straight sequential quarter. And, you know, as Tesla is, is pursuing the long term volume growth to generate ancillary revenues over a near term profit strategy, they might cut prices further in the fourth quarter to spur demand. And if they do so, we would likely see profits take another step down in Q4.
3: That is Morningstar analyst uh, Seth Goldstein. By the way, Tesla also said it experienced a slowdown in deliveries last quarter after some planned factory downtime slowed production a bit. Those shares
2: right now in late U.S. trading are off nearly 3%. Brian? Doug, Morgan Stanley shares fell after the firm reported a drop in third quarter profit and slower growth at its wealth management unit. Uh, The bank's net interest income of $2 billion was the lowest in more than two years. And that came as wealthy clients sought out higher yields on their deposits. Despite this, CEO James Gorman said, He expects um, M&A activity to pick up significantly going forward.
3: We are seeing increasing evidence of M&A and underwriting calendars that are building. And while we expect momentum to continue this year, given the fourth quarter has some seasonal considerations, we expect most of the activity to materialize in 2024. The minute you see the Fed indicate they've stopped raising rates, the M&A and underwriting calendar will explode.
2: CEO James Gorman, Morgan Stanley shares closed down 6.7% in New York. Well, now to
3: the Dutch company ASML, the critically important maker of semiconductor equipment. ASML saying that orders plunged in the third quarter by 42%, given a slump in the semiconductor industry. We have uh, more from Bloomberg's Au in Hong Kong.
0: Bookings at a Dutch chip equipment maker fell to $2.8 billion in the third quarter. The fall was almost double estimates. It comes as the semiconductor industry experiences a slowdown due to inflation and recession fears. ASML is increasingly reliant on revenue from China. China accounted for 46% of ASML's shares in the third quarter compared to 24% in the previous period. ASML did see a jump in its China business this year as chipmakers front-run U.S. restrictions. But over the long term, ASML says the U.S. measures will hit sales in China. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Radio.
3: ASML's biggest customer is TSMC, and later the company is expected to report a sharp decline in profit for the third quarter. Bloomberg calculations showing that TSMC sales could fall
2: 11%. Brian. Well, Vladimir Putin has endorsed Xi Jinping's vision of the Belt and Road Initiative. What is that? The Chinese president sees Belt and Road as a sweeping alternative to the U.S.-led world order. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has the story from Hong Kong. Putin praised the Belt and Road Initiative. He said it's in sync with Russia's goal of a world of interconnected infrastructure. He envisions what he calls freedom of trade, investment and labor. At the Belt and Road Forum, Xi also criticized unilateral sanctions and geopolitical rivalry. Although he didn't identify any country, the remarks were clear references to U.S. policy toward China in recent years. Xi also sees a breakthrough coming in a Sino-Russian gas pipeline that runs through Mongolia. In Hong Kong, I'm Wong, Bloomberg Radio.
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Brian Curtis and Vonnie Quinn. Many thanks to Doug Krisner. Let's get to our guest. It's Jody Schneider, political news director for Bloomberg TV and radio. Jody, President Biden is promising $100 million of aid to Gaza residents at the same time that he's backing Israel in its bid to crush Hamas. So that kind of creates a, a natural tension between ordinary residents in Gaza and Hamas fighters, perhaps by design. But I'm curious how you think that plays out on the ground.
0: Yeah, so we did see you know President Biden uh, make this uh, trip seven point five hours about to Israel. He repeated what he's been saying since that October seventh uh, attack that the U.S. stands steadfastly by Israel and will give Israel what it needs. But by saying so on the ground, um, it had you know an important impact. Being there, uh, the Israelis leaders Israel's leaders really wanted him to come, and and so he did. Um, um, but in terms of being able to give aid uh, to uh, Gaza residents and, and be able to give them help immediately, uh, it's a lot less clear what he can do. Uh, for instance, he got an assurance from Egypt that they would bring some truckloads of supplies, but given the looming humanitarian crisis there, it's, it's unclear how much that will do. And also, in, any, in terms of any promises of aid, uh, we have a House of Representatives in the United States that's not functioning, they're trying to get a speaker and they're continuing to fail. So uh, it's going to be a while before aid is even passed, either for the residents of Gaza or um, an an aid package, uh, a broader aid package to Israel, which will have Ukraine money in it, that's said to be as much as $100 billion that the White House wants to see. Jody,
1: did the Biden trip change the trajectory of any potential ground incursion or any other kinds of plans that Israel might be making?
0: I think so, honey, I think it's really more that he was, it was a symbolic kind of trip, you know, meeting with Israel's leaders, meeting with the families there um, of, of some of the victims of the attack and, and those who had uh, family members who were hostages or believed to be hostages. Uh, it is, um, it really was much more symbolic. In terms of uh, meeting, he had hoped to meet with some Arab leaders there, but his trip, he really was getting on the plane on Air Force One just as that um, the the um, explosion occurred at the hospital in Gaza and the you know, trading of, um, of information about who was responsible, he came down on the side of Israel when he was there. So it's in terms of, you know, kind of trying to change a trajectory or certainly the message about um, the, you know, whether there should be a widening or trying to stop it from being a widening conflict and trying to uh, calm some of those concerns, I'm not so sure he was that successful, partly because he didn't get to meet with uh, Arab leaders during his trip.
2: The president will give a primetime speech tomorrow night uh, from Washington once he's back. A lot to talk about. Uh, What do you think some of the key messages will be?
0: Yeah, well, I think among them will certainly be, he will continue to double down on support for Israel, um, the, you know, kind of use the emotion as he's done very effectively, um, siding with the families who have gone, you know, have lost loved ones. Uh, He will make it clear that this is, um, you know, an existential threat to Israel's future, and he won't let that happen. Um, I think we'll hear that again and again and again in all these speeches from the president. I think we will also, here, and he is increasingly um, adding another message here, which is uh, support and concern about what he's calling ordinary citizens in Gaza, those who are not affiliated with Hamas, who just want to live their lives, and I think he will be making the case that they deserve... Uh, better than they're getting and that they want there to be humanitarian aid to them again How yeah. you do that and how you get people out of there yeah. now? is a very tricky question. Yeah, and the third thing will be don't let this widen and a message directed to Iran.
2: Yeah, just a quick follow as kind of the the thrust of my uh, um, first question which was how do you drive a wedge between ordinary residents and Hamas fighters is it possible and um, Is that really what they're trying to achieve?
0: Yeah, I don't know <laughs> really how you do that, and I'm not sure the administration knows. And the Israelis, when they go in, you know, you it will be very difficult to determine, uh, you know, which is a Hamas uh, uh, hideout and which is, you know, a Hamas-dominated, uh, you know, area and which is not. Uh, so it's it's going to be a very very tricky situation, uh, and I think the president realizes that, but he wants that message to be now um, directed, you know, on, at, to a worldwide audience, obviously, that we support Israel, but we don't want to see, um, you know, harm come to so-called ordinary citizens. But how that happens is, is a whole nother matter. Jody, to what extent will Arab leaders be part
1: of the conversation
0: now? Yeah, I think the president and the and the Biden administration wants very much to be reaching out. I mean, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, crisscrossed the region um, for several days, you know, going to Saudi Arabia, going to Qatar, you know, really trying to talk to everybody. Uh, and I think they want as many people on their side as they can get in terms of saying, let us not, you know, uh, widen this conflict. You know, there's no reason for Iran to get involved. We don't want to see, you know, Hezbollah and the the north um, get involved but again this becomes more complicated when you have things like that blast at that hospital and of course the the um, you know the trading of yeah. blame there that makes yeah. it much more complicated